This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. The book of Luke chapter 12. Our text this morning is considered by most and accepted as a parable. However, it could possibly be a commentary on the life of a real person. As we read this text, we realize that the Lord is speaking in Luke chapter 12, and He's speaking to the Pharisees, all the Pharisees, about the leaven of the Pharisees. And then He speaks about uh, so many things that gets their attention. But right in the middle of that, in verse number 13, a man just calls out, and notice what happens here in verse number 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother. Now there's a lot of times that we've wanted to say, would you straighten my brother out? I straighten my wife out. Straighten my husband out. Well, no doubt this boy, this man, was concerned about the inheritance that he did not receive. His brother must have got it all. Notice what he says, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me judge or a divider over you? And the Lord speaking, and said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. As we read this passage of Scripture, we recognize that the Lord is speaking about this unquenchable thirst called covetousness or coveting. Thirst for more of something that we think we need to satisfy. I'm certain I'm speaking to those this morning that you have some desire in your life, something in your mind, something even in your heart, and you feel that you need a need of more possessions or more power or more position or more pleasures. Always desiring something else. And may we learn to be content with such things as you have that God wants to use us and to bless us. But in this story, let's read it together, you'll find a very well-to-do farmer who obviously had an eye for business. We commend him for the very fact that he's not only able to produce a, an abundant crop, but now that he's produced an abundant crop, he wants to make sure that he preserves it uh, for long life. And he also has this desire to and begin planning on building structures to store all of his crop. Notice what is said as we look in verse number 16. The Lord here speaking, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do, 
I will pour down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice verse 20. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? The man, no doubt, was looking for a day, a future day, when he could enjoy his nest egg. A time when he could sit back and he said it aloud that he could just take ease, eat, drink, and be merry. The Bible does not give the man's name, but I'm persuaded to believe that this was an actual situation. The man's name is not given, but the Lord is speaking to those that are in this crowd, no doubt. He says again, he was very ambitious in his plans in verse number 19. And many today have their plans for their life already mapped out what they plan to do. And may we all be, keep this in mind that there's nothing wrong with enjoying wealth. Uh, there's nothing wrong with planning, and rightfully so. But the plan here that makes this situation so bad is that he leaves God out. When my wife and I were married 48 years ago, this past August the 11th, she said, I do. And I said, I do. And we did. And we still are. 48 years. When we got married, I was in sales and she was in nursing training and then became a nurse. We had our life all planned out as to what we were going to do. We decided quickly as a young couple who loved the Lord and loved each other that God needed to have first place in our life. I realized since that day, that God doesn't want first place in my life. He wants all of my life. But we claimed for a verse from Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a very simple verse. You know the verse, and if you do so, let's quote it together. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That was our life verse for our family that God would allow us to serve Him and be obedient in our service to the Lord. As we look back since that day and how God blessed us with two wonderful children who are serving the Lord, God's blessed us not only materially, financially, but He's blessed us spiritually in so many ways that we could not even be able to begin to start telling you all that God has done. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. There's nothing wrong with this man preparing or you preparing for your future. However, the problem here when the Lord calls the man a fool is the fact that he leaves God out. We realize when we read this passage of Scripture, what the Bible reminds us, that life doth not consist in the abundance of things. Would you notice that in the previous verse? We do understand that this passage about this rich man who had attained so much but he was still not content. And there are people today, no doubt, that have gained much in life, but they're still not satisfied. They may act like they're happy. 
They may act like they got the world by the tail on a downhill swing, but something's not right. And the reason for that is that they've left God completely out. You may not be guilty of coveting, but if you leave God out, may I say, we're all guilty before God. The Bible reminds us here that the man thought within himself, and I ask that you underscore this phrase when he asked the self for, to himself, what shall I do? He not only asks the question, but he answers the question. What shall I do? He comes to a conclusion as you read the text, and he says, this will I do in verse number 18. You'll find that this man uses the personal pronoun I eight times. We see the possessive pronoun my that's mentioned four times. Again, he's leaving God completely out. He's making preparation. He's making plans. But nowhere do we find in making this statement, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. You see, may we surrender all and give that to the Lord and knowing that God wants to work in our life. But we don't want our will. We want His will to be done in our lives. Would you say amen? The man certainly had a success in career. The man, however, right in the middle of this, receives an unexpected notice from God, and he has only 12 hours to live. 12 hours to live. Well, the Bible says again that this night, that's 12 hours, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. God calls time on him. The day prior, he thought of gold instead of God. The day prior, he thought of pleasures rather than people. The day prior, he thought of ease rather than eternity. The day prior, he thought of passion for things. The day prior, he had a love for himself. The day prior, he was so preoccupied with what he could do and what he thought he needed to do. May you keep this in mind. Would you write this down? He forgot that eternity is forever. He forgot again that life is as a vapor. James writes that life is as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We're reminded again of the brevity of life throughout the Word of God. But this man was thinking nothing about tomorrow, not thinking about eternity. And to these young people, to the oldest person in this room, and may we realize again that God is in charge of our time. God called time on this man because he was living for self. May we surrender ourselves to the Lord considering this parable. How would you respond? And do you know what you would do? How would you act if the Lord said to you, you have 12 hours to live? You have the rest of this day to live. And by midnight tonight, your life is going to end as you go out these doors in just a moment, is there anything different that you would do if you knew for certain that you only had 12 hours? As I stand before you, I would say, yes, I promise you, there's some things I would want to do. There's some things that I would feel like that I needed to do. Notice, would you please, in verse number 17, you'll see the man's dilemma. Uh, the dilemma is what he thought was so important and yet the Bible says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I put a note down. What's my value of a meaningful life? We see his dilemma. But what is your value 
of what life is all about. We're reminded that God came that we would have an everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I remember at Bible school a few years ago, I had the opportunity as the counselors were everywhere talking to individuals and a young black boy, about seven or eight years of age, I was able to take this young man and speak to him about Christ. He wanted to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And when I read that verse to him from John 3.16, I asked him the question, what do you think this means, everlasting life? And I can see him now taking his finger up to his chin like this and look at me and he says, a life that lasts forever? Oh, he got it. And there are many people today who do not get it. God wants to give us everlasting life. And may I say, everlasting life does not begin the day that I die. Everlasting life began the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior as an 18-year-old boy. And may we keep in mind, He came not only to give us life, that's eternal life, but He came to give us that abundant life. John 10, 10, the Lord wants you to enjoy this journey indeed. God wants us all to live life at its fullest. And may I say it starts by making the right decisions in life. This man thought within himself, but his value of what life was all about was nothing but for self. Paul reminds us now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And so the question we ask is, what is your life? You remember Pilate asked the question, what shall I do with Jesus? which is called the Christ, the question mark. And Jesus responds, may I say to all of us in John chapter 14, verse number 6, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ died that you and I could live. He died that we would have not only eternal life, a place in heaven rather than a place in hell where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I'm thankful today that He's given me that everlasting life. And I'm thankful that I do not have to wait until I get to heaven to enjoy this everlasting life. What is your life? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's by the grace of God that He saved us. Not works of righteousness and renewing or the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. You'll notice in this passage of Scripture in verse number 17, we see his dilemma. But we also see his decision in verse number 18. Notice what it says. The Bible says, and he said, this will I do. He asked himself a question, what shall I do? And then he answered his own question. You ever talk to yourself? Sometimes I'll go through the house and I'll hear somebody talking and I find that it's just Marcia. She's talking to herself. The good part about that, you'll, you'll always be, have a good conversation, right? No arguments with yourself. Uh, this man thought within himself and he said, this will I do. I made up my mind. This is my decision. It was about self. It was an inward. It was not looking outwardly. May I say, all of us need to make a decision. And Joshua reminds us, in Joshua chapter 14, he reminds us when he says that he made the right decision. 
And that decision, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, that's a decision that all parents should make. We're going to serve the Lord regardless of what takes place in our life. Whatever comes, whatever goes, whatever we go through in life, God's in charge. We're going to serve the Lord. May I say, one of these days, we're going to stand before the Lord. And as a Christian, I'm not saved by my works, but may I say I'm going to be judged for my works. For the Bible says it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And one day I'm going to stand before the Lord. What does the Lord expect of me? Just to be faithful to what you know to do. And he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. There are many who are saying, preacher, how can you know the will of God? I love the book of Ephesians and Ephesians chapter 5 you were all reminded in 5.18 about the Spirit of God that lives and dwells within us. But in that text, he also talks about understanding what the will of the Lord is. Oh, it's a wonderful thought. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's not about living for self like this man. It's not about just gaining possessions that I can fill up my barns. It's not about just living for my family. The Lord bless my four and no more. Because it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's about living for the Lord and giving completely all to the Lord. Five things that the Lord, again, expects all of us as Christians to be doing. What do you rate yourself on these five? Prayer life. Men ought to always to pray and not to faint. Pray without ceasing. Attending the house of God and being faithful. Five basic things. Reading the word of God. Study to show thyself approved. The workman and doth not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. So not only our prayer life, our Bible study, our church attendance, are giving back to the Lord that which belongs to Him and then witnessing to others. Keep this in mind. You'll never know the will of God until you do the will of God. If we're not doing those five things, we'll never know the will of God for our life. We must be faithful to what God has already given as we yield ourselves to Him completely. May we give ourselves to the Lord. As we read this text, I'm reminded of a story I heard many years ago. We're praying for those families that were affected by Afghanistan. There's 13 soldiers that were killed. We think about the many millions of soldiers that have come back wounded from war. I'm reminded that when the preacher was preaching, a house full of people and the altars were lying, that a man stepped out of the back and came down the aisle. The man was on crutches. He had no legs at all, generally in a wheelchair, but he's come down the aisle in crutches. And the man, because of serving in Vietnam, had lost his legs. And he came to the preacher, and he asked the question this, Pastor, can God use a half a man? And the pastor responded, God can use a half a man who is wholly given to the Lord more than he can use a whole man. He's only half 
giving himself to the Lord. I desire to give all to the Lord. I desire again that God would use me. I, I, I look back over my life and no doubt I have regrets like all of us do that if I had it to do over, I would do something different. I like to play golf. I'm not very good at it. But one thing I like about golf is mulligans. <laughs> and we play a lot of mulligans, especially if Scott and I are playing together. We, we use a lot of mulligans. Go ahead, Dad, take another mulligan. Go ahead, son, take another mulligan. Yeah, I lost my concentration. Well, there's no mulligans in life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God wants us to give all to Him. This man had a dilemma. His dilemma was he had more crop than he had room for. He had to build bigger barns. We find that his decision is made. He's not going to give half away. He's not going to take care of anybody else. He's just going to build bigger barns and take care of self. We see his value that he has on life itself, and we see the decision that he makes leaving God out. And then lastly, would you look here in verse number 19, we see his desire. His desire, no doubt, was, I will say to my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That's his desire. The Bible reminds us in this text in verse 15, would you look at it? Life consisteth not in the abundance of things. I look at these young people and I think of myself when I worked at a supermarket right after high school, and man, I had to get that fast car. Man, I, I needed that car. And I was able to buy a car. My daddy signed it. I don't know why he did. Or he co-signed to allow me to buy a 69 Dodge Dart Swinger, 344 speed, stripe on the back. Green is green. That her shifter, though, that thing would fly. I knew there was some Mopar people. I knew there was some Mopar guys. And when I see in, in the study that the pastor has a, a replica of Richard Petty's car, I knew there was some Mopar guys in the, in the building. And truthfully, I thought I had the world by the tail on a downhill swing for sure. I mean, I, I look good in that car, you know, hanging, roll the window down, hanging, you know, going through town and, squilling the tires and run them off on the quarter of a mile and all kinds of things. But I was not right with God. I grew up in a preacher's home. My daddy baptized me to Sydney and Henry Duffy in a little pond in Milton, West Virginia between Huntington and Charleston. I never will forget it. Daddy was a church planner. He bought an eight-room house, and we lived in the back four rooms, and the church he knocked out petitions was the front four rooms. We'd go to church, he'd just go, you know, we'd church. <laughs> After church, people didn't go to McDonald's. They met mom and dads. I grew up that way. Went to church every Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. One time we had a tent revival, Brother Hooks. We had a tent revival in our backyard, it went for six weeks. Six weeks. Went to church every night for six weeks. 
listen to that preacher scream and holler, and I like. But you know what? Those were good days, and I just didn't realize it. I told the congregation this morning I was a PK, preacher's kid, and I lived up to the reputation of preacher's kids being the meanest kids in church. And all God's people said, oh, where did your daughter go? She stepped out, didn't she? <laughs> Daddy baptized me in that pond. And Henry, Henry and Sidney Duffy were baptized the same day, my best buddies. But I never remember asking Christ to come into my heart. I just remember being baptized. It was the right thing to do. I'd sing songs for my dad. He'd preach on them hollers around West Virginia. I'd go with him and sing. But I knew I wasn't right with God. As a 16-year-old, I was headed the wrong way. There's no question about it. Graduated from high school when I was 17, trying to find purpose for life. On a Sunday afternoon, hit into the drag strip with... There was two, two couples, myself, my friend with our dates, headed to the drag strip on a Sunday afternoon. Going through the gears, came around the curve way too fast. Couldn't shift back to slow down. Rounded the curve and hit a car head on. Our lives could have been wiped out that day. I was in the wrong place, but more or worse, was I had the wrong purpose for life and trying to find happiness. Life did not consist in the abundance of things. God took the car away from me. I met my wife shortly after I went to a church with a date, another date. Preacher preached. I don't know who else was there. I don't even know who the preacher was. But I went forward and lost my pride being the preacher's kid and settled it and asked Christ to come into my heart. And he saved me on that glorious day. I followed the Lord in believer's baptism in a creek in West Virginia. Shortly after that, I met my wife. We sat in church together. She's younger than me. Thus, she was younger than, than me. But her dad and mom, they let her sit in church I got that old car fixed, but her daddy wouldn't let her dare go anywhere with me with that car. So I traded it, got a little Nissan, the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. <laughs> if I had that car, no, no. I wouldn't have my wife. But I recognize that life doth not consist in the abundance of things which a man possesseth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We talked about this morning about my daddy. My daddy preached all over West Virginia. He passed away when he was 57 years old. I was 22. My wife was 18. We had just been married less than a year. And my daddy died. When they brought my dad's clothes home from the hospital, in a little bag, his shoes, his clothes, his belt, his wallet. And I opened the wallet up, he had a few pictures, driver's license, registration card, 
foreboding. His ministerial card, he still had it. A couple pictures, but down in the fold of the billfold, no dollars, but he had three pennies. Three pennies. I took those three pennies and scotch taped them to the family Bible with this verse. Would you notice it? And he says again, Life, a man's life, consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. My dad did not leave us any inheritance, but he left us more than whatever money could buy. And may I say, all I desire to do in my life, and my wife feels the same, it's not about leaving some estate, but it's about leaving our influence. One day we'll pass over the scene. But I want you to know the greatest thing that my father left us was his influence on my life. And though that influence, may I say, is structured by the decisions that we make every day of our life. I know my kids are watching me. I know my grandchildren are watching me. By the way, there's nothing like having grandchildren. How many grandpas and grandmas do we have in the room today? Let's see. You know that your grandchildren's your reward for not killing your children? <laughs> it is a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? Praise the Lord for it. Choices. I've made some bad choices in my life but I thank God that He's allowed us to make some good choices. Would you write this statement down? The choices we make today will determine who we are tomorrow. And may I go one step further? The choices that I make today will also determine who my children are tomorrow. I'm glad that God is able to guide us and to lead us, but in this text we see that this man, he was more interested in himself we see that this man was more interested in living for today than he was even thinking about tomorrow, although he thought, I'll take ease, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I'll have plenty. A long time ago, I heard this statement. No man is prepared to live until he first is prepared to die. The question all of us must ask ourselves this morning First of all, are we prepared to die? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Not talking about your baptism. Not talking about being raised in a preacher's home or a Christian home. Not talking about your good works. Not talking about any of those things. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Do you know where you'd spend eternity? And then for all of us who know Christ as our Savior, what do we plan to leave behind? Where is our focus? Are we considering the decisions that we're making today to pass on to our own children? God has left us all here for a reason. And there are so many thousands of people who are dying every day. When you look at the stats and realizing Right here in America, 8,159 people die every day 
it comes down to this, that there's actually two people that die every second in America. Every day, two people die. And they're all around us. I've lived long enough to pass by the casket at the funeral home or at the church and thinking, oh, I wish I had another day to talk to that man. No need living with regrets. The Bible says that some, just some, have compassion making a difference. May we lift up our eyes and look on the fields and see they're white already to harvest because people are going out into eternity every day, never thinking about tomorrow that they're going to live forever like this rich young farmer. And may we make the right decisions. He asked the question, what shall I do? So it's our question. What shall I do? And I hope that we can say, not like the rich man here, this will I do. I'm going to take care of myself. No, may we say, this I'm going to do. Give myself completely to the Lord and surrender my life to Him that God can use me that others would come to the truth, the knowledge of the truth, accepting Christ. Our heads are bowed. Randy Alcorn says, five minutes after we die, we'll know exactly what we should have done in our life and how we live. But God gives us His Word so that we don't have to wait to die to find out. He has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us and so that we can live a life that is pleasing to the Lord and example to a lost and dying world. In this room today, how many would say with a thankful heart, pastor, preacher, there's a time in my life that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I know if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand with mine and in that just praise the Lord and thank Him for this free gift of eternal life. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you could not raise your hand, may I say this morning is the, the greatest decision that you could ever make is coming to the knowledge of the truth. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Some in this room today, and you'd say, Preacher, I've made a decision in my life, but I'm not certain if I were to die, I'd go to heaven. That's where I was at. Is there someone like that today? And just raise your hand and say, By that, please pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. We're going to pray for you. But God knows your hand, and God knows your heart. Is that you? Just say, please pray for me. I've made decision in my life, but I'm not certain if I were to die right now, I'd go to heaven. Is there anyone alone? You'd say, preacher, I do not know the Lord. May I encourage you to find your place around this altar. But as Christians, we all should respond to say, Lord, I yield myself to you. I want to be used by you. May we recognize and acknowledge the influence that we have on others. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. 
That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.